Hello, welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends. Uh, this week, uh, James Bond can't be with us. Um, he's stuck in some queue at John Lewis trying to get one of Money Penny's new handbags for him. <laughs> so I'm your fill-in host, James Page from MI6HQ.com and the magazine MI6 Confidential. And by the time you listen to this, we will be probably announcing our first issue of the year, Shipping. And this week, um, I'm really happy to be joined by Calvin Dyson, Bill Koenig, and David Lee. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Yep, this is Calvin Dyson. Um, I have a YouTube channel, the Calvin Dyson channel, uh, in which I review and discuss all things Bond. And I'm Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command. And this is David Lee. I run the jamesondossier.com. I'm author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond and currently enjoying a Mount Gay rum and soda, like uh, in Casino Royale. Very nice. Unfortunately, it's 11.16 a.m. for me right now, so I'll have to wait 45 minutes to join you on that day. <laughs> I've got a Jack and Coke. <laughs> um, so this week, there's been a lot of um, conspiracy theory slash blog clickbait titles like James Bond's dead, James Bond's going to get killed, 007 will be killed in the next film. So I thought it'd be fun to go through the history of the films and some other bits and pieces about times where James Bond has faked his own death or characters have assumed he's dead or that's been used as a kind of like a aha in the, in the film plot twist or even just a fake out for the audience over the years. Well, in fact, in fact you, you can go back uh, before the films because at the end of the novel yes. from Russia with Love, uh, it looks like Bond is right. dead. Which, which was something he added later, uh, presumably when he got back to uh, England from Jamaica because in 97, I went looking through that, uh, trans- or that manuscript at uh, Indiana University and it had more of a conventional happy ending kind of thing that was that was the first thing i i went to when i had a chance to look at that manuscript so that was a notion he must have come uh come up with later i didn't know that 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 is very interesting fleming started all of this didn't he with um what would you say um not tricking the audience but kind of um leaving them on a cliffhanger that it might be it yeah Mm. It was never actually the intention that that would be it, right? Like, he was always going to do the next one. Because I can't imagine if the Bond book series had just ended with that book and that was the, right. <laughs> that was the end of it. And it was, oh, okay, well, there we go. Yeah, I, I, I think he genuinely wasn't sure whether he was going to continue or not, to be honest. Hmm. Um, also, there's some website that shows, uh, I guess, letters from authors to different people. And I wish I could remember this now because a friend referred me to it. So it was a copy of a letter that Fleming sent to a reader. And the reader was kind of concerned. What's going to happen to James Bond? And he basically told the reader not to worry too much. Um, but I don't remember the date. I don't know. At what you know, how much after publication of the novel that he wrote this letter? I just remember kind of being intrigued by the letter that uh, whatever happened, he must have uh, made up his mind to he was going to continue on with it. And uh, so I assume the letter was written during that period of his deliberations, right? Huh. And then, of course, we get into like you and live twice, and you know, Fleming is kind of like battling his own demons with the idea of death at that point right and um absolutely a friend 
A friend claimed to me, and I, and I don't know if this is true, so I was, I'm just asking you guys to see if you know. He claimed that when Fleming originally turned in the manuscript, it ended, you know, the end of the novel was that, you know, obit in the Times. And, mm. and that supposedly the publisher said, we are not going to end this novel like that. <laughs> um, but I have no idea if that's true, but that's a story out there. I, I don't know. That, that's the first I've heard about that, Bill. Yeah, likewise. Okay. It was new to me too. So, yeah. I, so listeners, yeah. if you've got any ideas, uh, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we were kind of hacking the list together about times when people have assumed Bond's dead. Um, and Because <laughs> the way that the media is writing up like potential plot twist ideas, no time to die, like this is a new idea. Uh, <laughs> I think based on our list that will run down, it happens more than it doesn't pretty much. Um, so he wants to kick off. Um, can anybody remember the first time they ever saw From Russia With Love, the film, and thought, what have they done in the pre-title sequence? <laughs> yes, I can. I, I can. Because I saw From Russia With Love, I said this before, as part of a double feature with Dr. No. This was in the early 70s. So by the time I'm seeing From Russia With Love, I've seen most of the early Bond films. And like they sucked me right in with because like oh there's there's Connery's oh he'll 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 make short work of this guy and then of course he doesn't and then the music is very effective and like I was you know I was I was shocked and then suddenly the lights come up behind and then we see it's not really him so um, that's not as that's not as good as someone who saw it first run in 1963 or four but right. uh, but yeah it, it they got me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I think I, when I first saw it, it was probably on video, um, and just you know, seeing Sean Connery's face on the video, knowing that there's more afterwards, all that kind of stuff. I just kind of knew something would be up. I think it does catch you out at first, um, especially using. I mean, Bill, you probably know more about this than I do, but I know that uh, those kind of uh, masks were quite popular on the Mission Impossible TV show, where they would have completely lifelike. Right. Um, you know, masks to impersonate other people. Um, but I don't know if I just thought like, oh, well, in the early 60s, they wouldn't have had that kind of technology. So maybe maybe um, it was something else. Yeah. yeah, Mission Impossible came along a little bit later. But right. uh, uh, but yeah, it was funny. It's like they're like completely lifelike. And then as soon as the mask is off, they look like cheap plastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thunder, Thunderbird, Thunderbirds did the same thing with... Uh, with the villain in Thunderbirds, didn't he? Where he was always have these peel off masks yeah. at, uh, around the same time. But of course, the you know oh, the well, he the, looks like a cheap bit, looks like a cheap <laughs> bit of plastic under this as well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so the you know the well told story is they had to reshoot it with a guy with a mustache because audiences were confused that the guy under the mask looked a bit too much like Connery anyway. Mm. So. But yeah, who goes into a movie expecting the main character to be dead in the first few minutes? I'm sure there are examples of that in film but um, not in franchises. Mm. Also, just real quick, in, in terms of the music that accompanies that, that sequence, of course, this is Barry's first, John Barry's first score for Bond. And um, Marvin Hamlish apparently was, quote, inspired uh, or decided to do a, quote, homage because <laughs> in the uh, pyramids or in that mm. uh, sequence in The Spy Who Loved Me, um, when... Um, uh, Bond and Anya, you know, Jaws has gotten off and they're trying to track him down. He basically redoes that score. 
um, that scene, you know, uh, the, the beats are the same. I mean, it's different orchestration and so forth, but it's, it's so similar. Clearly it was, uh, we'll call it an homage, um, <laughs> to, to that scene. Yeah. It, um, the, 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 the so-called, you know, disguise is, is if you watch it in 4k or on Blu-ray, it's, um, it's pretty telling, you know, how much makeup slapped on Connery to make it, you know, to make him look like he's wearing a mask now. But um, so the effect is kind of lost a little bit. Well, it, it, as as seen it the first time, you're not looking for it. Mm. Um, and so you, at least that's how I rationalize how I got sucked in. But yeah, I mean, even not on 4K, even on like on standard Blu-ray. Yeah, it's like there's extra makeup that he doesn't have on when he's playing Bond you know, later in the movie. Um, so I, I guess you can argue in a way they were playing fair with the audience. If you were observant right. on the first run, you would know it, you know, yeah, they weren't cheating on you, I guess. Whereas, say. You know, to Calvin's point, Mission Impossible, especially in the modern films, they just have the other act to play the part. Right. Mm. So it's, well, that, that's you, you, what they did in the original TV show. It saves some money. But it's like, that's not fair on the audience, is it? Because you, you no. there is no differentiator. Um, just your point, James, about um, being fair to the audience. I think this is, in From Russia With Love, it is a case of this whole sequence is purely for the audience fake out. It right. really doesn't make any sense in the reality of the film why Spectre would go to this effort to uh, impersonate James Bond physically to hone the skills of one of their top agents. Right, because right. presumably the... Um um, the target is not going to be up to bond standards. Mm. And also, what if the uh, the fake out guy? What if he kills Grant? <laughs> like, yeah, there goes that plan. Right. <laughs> and their, their plan isn't to find. The- well, it may, may maybe though maybe if 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 Grant had had lost, then this guy would have done the mission instead. So um, ah. yeah, it, does, it makes sense. Yeah, but their, their mission wasn't to find. You know, Bond walking around some shrubbery and and <laughs> so it wasn't even like it wasn't even a a, tr- a dry run, was it? So no, it, it was. Uh, you know what? There are some things you do. Uh, I'm speaking now of movies and TV shows generally. You do it for dramatic sense as opposed to uh, logical sense, mm-hmm. and and that's. Yeah, that's yeah. one of them. Oh, of course, and I think it works in in the context of the film. I think it, the scene really does work for that. Um, it's only after you think about these things for hours on end, like like we all do, that you sort of start to think about the internal <laughs> right. logic of it. But I think it, it works. I have an, another explanation, which is Grant's agent I- insisted that whoever he stalk in that garden had to look like Bond because otherwise, it, because he, he wasn't really a meth actor, he, he just could, wouldn't be able to get into it. So he had to look like Bond. <laughs> you got to wonder like, what the uh, turnover on Spectre Island's like. <laughs> right, right, because uh, apparently this happens all the time because remember later in the film when Rosa Clay comes along you know yeah people get flamethrowered she says flail. it is useful but nothing beats experience i agree we we use live targets as well <laughs> where are you getting these live targets <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, but, but yeah, and so that that really begs the question: Where did they get all these people from? Did they did they uh, place ads right. in newspapers or, or what? I mean, no internet in those days, obviously. How did they recruit? <laughs> they put a one ad in the local paper. <laughs> That's, you know, there's a village you know elsewhere on the island. Ooh. Hey, they they they. Here's a one ad. Hey, the pay looks pretty good. You know, it's like they're of course lying. It's like then they find out. Oh, you're going to be a live target. What? Let me out of here. I'm sorry, that's too late. <laughs> it reminds me of that cutout that they they took out of Austin Powers when um, it cuts to uh, Lois Charles consoling her son about her <laughs> husband has been killed as the as the anonymous goon that nobody thinks about and the impact it has on their families. <laughs> Well, 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 a friend and I had a, a similar running joke about you only live twice. We called him Crater Guy. You know, he's the guy that Connery gets with the rocket and the cigarette. And uh, you know, here's Crater Guy. He's just, you know, he's opening and closing the crater. He's just, try, he's just trying to put food on the table for his family. And does does Connery, get, you know, does he get Blofeld? No, but he gets Crater Guy. And so I, I once jokingly said you know there's probably an academic paper in the notion of james bond you know oppressing the uh the working the man. worker class the blue, the blue <laughs> collar victims so um a couple of films later there's another kind of little fake out but it's it's done as more of a joke isn't it than, than anything else when um in thunderball when the coffin is wheeled out and it's got JB written on it and it's mm. um, Bouvier, not Bond, but, uh, right. but they didn't really play that joke as well as they could have because they instantly cut to Connery standing on the balcony. So, mm. you know, they yeah, could have kept the suspense going a bit longer, couldn't they? Mm. Yeah. I think he's just, his friend just makes the observation like, Oh, same initials as you right. <laughs> just, to, just yeah. to make extra clear for the audience, what the purpose of that was. <laughs> right. And then what does he reply right. at this point, rather him than me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks James. <laughs> <laughs> Can we move on now? <laughs> well, she, she was French, so English was a second language, so uh, she needed to, uh, to be explained to, I think. <laughs> Mansplained by Connery. Mansplained by Connery, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the other standout in the Connery – well, there's two more to come, but the other big one in the Connery era, I think, is, is obviously um, the pre-titles again – of Connery getting killed in the pre-titles of You Only Live Twice. Which, which, and this one makes even less sense than the From Russia With Love one, because, okay, did the cops not, I mean, the, the cops are saying, oh, he's dead, you know, and, okay, what did they do? Did the people who shot at him fire some kind of fake bullets or were the cops in on it? But if the cops are in on it, they're the only ones around. So like, who are they fooling? Um, I always wondered if the, uh, the goons that come in to um, shoot him, I wouldn't always wondered if that was like, the, like MI6 knew that this was going to happen. So they kind of rigged up the bed in the apartment with fake blood. So they let the assassins think they got bond, but then, it was all a trick. It's it's very unclear sort of who's in on this. Is it the police? Is it the assassins? Because if it is both sides, why bother with right. the ruse to begin with anyway? Right. And then after the titles, you have the funeral on the ship. 
and you have the sinister looking guy looking through the binoculars presumably he's a specter guy like he's there to make sure the you know <laughs> the body gets dumped overboard i guess which but, could uh, be anything within that wrap i mean yeah yeah they threw something overboard oh he's you know that's confirmed well hang on a minute <laughs> you know <laughs> could be a mannequin at that point i mean there's no there's no proof there's no further evidence by watching the funeral is there that he's dead right, and because the guy is clearly like some distance away right. <laughs> the, fact, the fact he needs binoculars to make sure <laughs> but the thing i don't understand about the the concept of it is the police know who he is because they say he would have wanted he would have he would have wanted to go oh. this way like, so the cops the cops know him yeah. which makes less sense he probably was buying him drinks earlier right. <laughs> yeah. i mean i guess the the police are an arm of her majesty's government in hong kong yes. at that point but but are, i don't know it's this was like a weird third, wall, uh, fourth wall breaking uh, kind of moment for the series, I think. I always think of that, uh, is it Welcome to Japan, Mr. Bond, that TV special that they yeah. made to coincide with this, where they have a, a, an actress uh, wanting to marry oh. James Bond, but it's sort of like Sean Connery is James Bond, and it's just co- kind of this merging of these entities. And right. Which I, today it, you'd have a, like a restraining order put out on that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <And> all, <laughs> well, uh, uh, I mean, restraining order has to on her, or, or just on the special, or what? <laughs> <laughs> um, because, well, also, I guess it's a, I guess it's supposed to be a joke. That the woman, the you know, the woman in the special doesn't realize they switched the filming order of the novels because she seems to think the next movie's going to be on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, I, yeah, I've, I, I, you know, I've watched that special, I but I like only watched it once because it's not nearly as good as the Incredible World of James Bond. I yeah. I thought it was far better, but this one is just, it, it's just a mess. Um, I think it's so. worthwhile for just Money Penny hanging out in Q Branch. It's just right, Lois yeah. Maxwell and Desmond Llewellyn with these scenes. It's uh, quite nice for that, but that only takes up like maybe one-tenth of the runtime. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to dig this out and watch it. I haven't watched any of these documentaries for years. Yeah, more than a decade, I think. Well, I mean, I've I've said before, the incredible world of James Bond is how I became a Bond fan. But mm. uh, so then I had to, but I knew this Welcome to Japan, Mister Bond thing was out there, and I finally was able to get a copy, and um, and it was like, oh, <laughs> this isn't nearly as good as the other one. <laughs> so my question is, who are the guys that burst into the room to shoot him? And uh, I guess MI6 were like, well, you you killed our top agent, but uh, we're not going to follow up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a bloody nuisance anyway. (laughs) Uh, We can lay off three people from the HR department now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right they're, they're still dealing with that lawsuit from shrublands at that point i'm sure but, but front page news of the newspaper though you know yes. with you know with stock stock press image of connery which you i know, have to say with all a the giant best, photo all the best secret agents have the stock photos and the news agencies ready to well, go well you know it's funny because um how many years later 
nine years later in Hawaii Five O, Steve McGarrett's missing in Hong Kong, and there's a newspaper with a giant <laughs> looks like a publicity shot of Jack Lord. It's like, boy, the Hong Kong newspapers really go for it when American uh, dashing American operatives go missing. It's, uh... <laughs> so the, the 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 payoff to the whole he's pretending to be dead is really just to get a witty line of dialogue out of Blofeld. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And to right. get the title of the film yes. in the dialogue. Right. Oh, but sorry. Yeah, it... no, that's what you're referring to. Yeah. God, sorry. Yeah, but I mean, does it, does it serve any other purpose? Well, I, it's not witty, but it, but also it give, it sets up that scene with uh, Blofeld and Helga. What kind of gun is this? Walter, PP, Walter PPK. Only one man we know uses this sort of gun. James right. Bond, which I is interesting because it's supposed to be standard issue for the I, for I can MI6. say, Walter must be like a mom and pop operation if any one person uses their like most famous model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they haven't sold about six million of them, have they? <laughs> or sixty million, probably more like. Yeah, God right. knows how many. And then, of course, the great line from Osaka: "But Bond is dead." <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> Bond is alive. And of course, the the payoff: Keaton Bond. Now, which of course gets repeated by Bond fans. Uh, Bond fans meet up with one another and just start, you know, saying lines from the from the films willy nilly. And kill Bond now is like one of the favorites for <laughs> you know. It's like Bond fans that you know need no explanation. You know, you can say it to one and you yeah, get a just like knowing nod. Cairo, is it there? Yes. So, but it's like. It was. Uh, is it? Is it more of a kind of a, a a gag type fourth wall thing for the audience? Because as we mentioned, the, the plot value of it is kind of minimal, if mm. anything. Well, like I was sort of um, saying earlier, I think it just plays into this whole sort of melding of Sean Connery and James Bond into one entity around this time, and the idea that james bond is this real character who is famous in real life and right. which would of course make him a terrible secret agent and that's why they need to fake his death at the start i i, I assume it's sort of playing into that well the, cl- the closest you get to an explanation is in the scene in m's submarine where he says well maybe some of your old friends will pay a little less attention to to you mm. for a while it'll give you more el- elbow room and you'll need it and so like that's it mm. we've we've spent a few thousand dollars on this ruse <laughs> right yeah because at which point is i mean he becomes a liability if everybody knows who he, who he is right which mm. is topic for another day but to point about like um diamonds are forever going skipping ahead is mm. like another another i don't know if it's a terrible example or an example of it being terrible that here's a mid-tier diamond logistics you know middle woman (laughs) who knows who james bond is oh my god you just killed james bond (laughs) is that who it was yeah yeah identified via his playboy membership (laughs) cards which playboy hugh hefner knows who he is he's on the subscription (laughs) well you know remember in the uh oh god in the in that one uh Raymond Benson story that appeared in Playboy, Hugh Hefner knows who he is. And it's like, I was reading that. It's like, ooh, I, 
<laughs> I, I, that one was what was that called? Midsummer's Night Doom. Doom yeah, that that doesn't fall on our theme. But again, Hugh Hefner knows, and it's like he has this conversation with with Bond. Oh yes, Bond, I've known who you are for quite a while now. Like, <laughs> what? What the? I'm reading this thing. Like, what in the? What is going on here? So, funnily <laughs> enough, right? So, um, Tiffany Case, who's this, you know, mid-tier smuggler, knows who he is. But Peter Franks, who is like the go-to fixer, um, doesn't know who James Bond is because he doesn't recognize him. And he apparently lives in the same country as Bond. So right. it's like you think he would have at least more of a chance of running into Bond from time to time, <laughs> at the very least. But how how long does that you've killed James Bond and he pretends to be Peter Franks for the plot that doesn't really last very long. No. Mm. Remember there, uh, Tiffany and, uh, Tiffany case and Bond are on that, uh, that weird bed that you can see mm-hmm. the fish in. And then she says, James, may I finally call you James? So like, so she wasn't fooled, mm. uh, that long, uh, if very long at all. So I don't know. I, I think it was more a gag for the film. It was a laugh line. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the laugh line being like two things. The visual gag of you see uh, Bond switching wallets and then the visual gag of, you know, seeing the Playboy <laughs> membership card that says James Bond. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's a Playboy card. It says James Bond. Of course, it's the real James Bond, the famous <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> well, Bond in person. Bond impersonating somebody to infiltrate a kind of like a, a processor or a pipeline. It's been done before and, you know, can't go podcast about that I mentioned in Die Another Day. At least in, at least this is where Die Another Day gets it right because Bond intercepts the guy he's impersonating, takes him out of the action and then carries on, right? And ultimately mm. gets undone. But in Diamonds of Forever, can't, you know, Bond just like pretends to be Peter Franks, walks in. Of course, the real Peter Franks, he knows, is walking around. I mean, like, this was never a good idea, was it? That at some point, <laughs> this going to get confusing or they're going to bump into each other. It just well, and also, in Octopussy, he uh, he disguises his, his, himself as Lieutenant Toro. Right. And, and, and the guy, at least, looks like Roger Moore with a mustache. Um, and, and the same way with Die Another Day, the guy that... Uh, Rosenbond intercepts, you know, bears a passing resemblance and, you know, Rosenbond, you know, steals his sunglasses from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, roughly the same height, same build. So it's not, you know, That'd it's not a- like a six foot guy substituting himself for a three foot dwarf. Um, yeah. But it really, really, it's an, it's um, a hangover from uh, using a few elements uh, of the book, but bas- basically jettisoning most of it because Franks was mentioned in the book, and basically he, he was um, he was a, a diamond smuggler, but the the Scotland Yard pulled him in, so he was off the street when when Bond uh, was impersonating him in yes. the book. So um, you know it, 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 that that works, but. Um, well, actually, no. He is in the movie as well, isn't he? They apprehend him um, at the oh, and he gets Dover. Away. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. At Dover. They he um, yes, yes. Right, but but I was also saying that the book Diamonds Are Forever, the book um, Bond also actually disguised himself a little bit, didn't he? Like put a little gray in his hair or something. It's been a while since I've read it, but uh, it's like they—they're go- they end up like paying a visit. Was it one of the Spang brothers that they went to see? 
Ah, yeah, you're right. Yes, yeah. I, th I think he wears eyeglasses, and and uh, yeah, because there's um, I, I think it's a special branch uh, guy. He, he he ages him, or, or puts him, he disguises him, and he goes along with. I don't, I don't know if he goes along with somebody from the Metropolitan Police or, or, or what quite at the moment, but um, but he, he visits him in London, in Covent Garden. You're right, yeah. And and at the end of one chapter, you know, uh, in the narration says, you know, it's like, wasn't that much different, but like just enough, like in other words, it wasn't a major makeup job, but just a little bit here, a little bit there, just to make him look different enough. It's... I'm just coming out of the uh, the second John Gardner book for special mm. services where he properly like acts like an old man with a cane and glasses <laughs> and all that kind of stuff and really commits to the role. And uh, it's a shame we never saw a proper full-on disguise like that in the film. <laughs> That's a good point. So the Connery era can be kind of probably wrapped up as a, he's either faking out villains, organizations, or faking the audience out that he's dead, but he's not. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. We switch into the Roger Moore era, and that's more a case of the villain thinks he's killed him, but he hasn't really. Mm. Mm. Right. So the first instance I can think of in the Moore era is Moonraker when uh, him and Goodhead are uh, underneath the exhaust of one of the shuttles and they of right. course escape, but Drax thinks that they've burned up. Uh, I wonder if there's an instance before that, because I can't imagine they went three films without someone presuming that Bond is dead. Uh, hmm. Well, it, it's not quite the same thing, but in the pre-titles of the man with the golden gun, hey. we see the the big uh, James Bond uh, <laughs> statue or whatever. And uh, now you don't think that Bond is dead, but, you know, it's like Scaramanga shoots the fingers off the... Right. The, fig, the mannequin the figure. So this is to establish menace, which in a way is a fake out to the audience, because then when you know we get at the titles, you know, the bullet has arrived. Oh, Scaramanga must be after right. Bond when, of course, he isn't. Yeah, he, he actually wants him to be OK and to leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the th yeah, the misconception, the man with the golden gun plot yeah, stops. Just, just bugger off, yes. bugger off off <laughs> island. Just bugger off. We can, we can the, <laughs> right. the world, the world is big enough for both of us. Just go and right. do your thing. I'll do mine. Leave us alone. We'll be fine. Right. <laughs> but anyway, the end of the of the pre-titles that contributes to the fake yes. out. Um, so that you know, so so then it's a revelation later that it was Andre who sent the bullet rather than Scaramanga. Yeah. I, I guess also Live and Let Die, Mister Big says, you know, go out and waste and walks off, assumes it's done. But then I guess at some mm. point he must realize that his goons didn't report back that he did it, or maybe they said they did to cover their own tracks. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you're right, Calvin. That Moonraker is the is the first of I um, mentioned it again, like the Austin Powers meme about like we'll just leave you in this room. Um, and yeah. assume you're going to die, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll move on with the plan. So, um, or, or earlier, like the Adam West Batman show, right. because like the villains were like always had something contraptions. Yeah, I'm going to be busy <laughs> Go and check the oven or something. Yeah. Um, and then Octopussy. I, I don't know who wanted to raise that one. 
which is oh yeah that was uh yeah i thought of that one after they've had the fist fight at octopussy's palace and bond and a and a goon fall out of a window and bond presumably grabs the q crocodile gadget right. and has some like little uh yeah, uh, I don't know, puppet show going on where he's like making it look like both him and this goon have been attacked by this crocodile. Uh, so, yeah, but then that leads Octopussy to believe that he's dead. I always thought that scene that Bond just like gets away quick enough where the other guy's getting eaten rather than... Oh, I thought that it was the, the crocodile, the Q crocodile that he'd, for some reason, parked ah. under the water at that very specific <laughs> It's very handily. And, yeah, it was like, ah, oh, well, I can strangle this guy whilst also using the Q crocodile on my other arm to make it look like he's being eaten or <laughs> something like that. Because immediately after that, we see him in the Q crocodile going away and he meets Q where VJ's been killed. Um, but this, of course, leads Octopussy to believe that he's dead, who then... Yeah, and I would say, in for what value? Like, why would he want Octopussy to believe he's dead at that point? Well, because they've just agreed to work together, basically. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more for the benefit of Kamal Khan, but I can't remember if there's a scene um, specifically where Octopussy says to him, "Oh, by the way, the guy that you're wanting to kill don't turns out it. he's a, yeah, <laughs> exactly." I just so the big point is that we get the 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 shot of um, Maud Adams looking quite glum, and it you know, we assume right. that she's fallen for Bond in that moment. Yeah, I well, think may, I'm thinking maybe once those goons attack, uh, Bond is assuming correctly that those goons are in the employ of Kamal Khan, and so he thinks it will make things you know he's changing his mind he just agreed to work with octopussy but now he's uh, changing strategies because it's pretty clear that kamal khan is like not gonna let go and so make make mm. him think that he's dead it's not so much aimed at octopussy as it is kamal khan i just now thought of this listening to you guys talk so that's i'm just spitballing it here no, I think you're onto something there because then, because Octopussy is, she's not the target of the uh, the goons, but she certainly gets into a fist fight. So I guess to protect her as well, he fakes his own death to sort of, yeah, put them off the scent. Uh, At which point he still doesn't know what the plot is. Hmm. But he knows he has to be at uh, Karl Machstadt. Right. Mm. Yes. So he doesn't know the plot, but he knows where to go. Hmm. And then... One of my faves, the uh, elevator scene in A View to Kill, <laughs> which um, I, if you can tolerate Stacey Sutton screaming, <laughs> is actually a pretty dramatic sequence, you know, and it, and it yeah. kind of actually harks, I think, I think we've talked about this before, Quantum of Solace when the, the building's burning and, you know, there's that moment where Bond honestly doesn't think he's going to get out of it and he's going to basically kill Camille and then commit suicide rather than get burned up in that little few seconds of moments. This one is Bond just going to leg it. <laughs> nice. I mean, it's got, it's got actually, it's got, it's, you know, it's got, there's actually a moment there where she's wondering if that's what he's just like, I'll oh, bugger this. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what he should have done. He should have left her there. But that's, you know, another example of the villain just assuming that that's a good enough job and uh, mm. 
will skedaddle. And there were there were actually film scenes filmed of like Zorin Mayday and the the hench ladies turning up in a car with the petrol cans and everything and doing mm. it, but they cut it out of the film. So you don't actually see Zorin doing his getaway, do you? But um we mm. assume he legs it as soon as they set fire to the place. Yeah. And I assume I I I, uh, I don't think it does much for the uh, the storytelling really because next time come face to face it's in the mine. Uh, I, I guess it's just for Zorin's own peace of mind. He feels like he can go off to his mine now that he has killed Bond, and then Bond of course shows up later on. It's <clears throat> I'm telling you that they teach you that in Archville in school. It's like <laughs> you get up. <laughs> You get up. I have other things I must do, Mister Bond or Mister whoever you know, whoever the hero is. <laughs> like they all go walking off um, because, in fact, I, I I cited Batman as an example. So there was one time Otto Preminger was the villain, and he he and his goons go walking off, and Batman and Robin actually do fake their deaths. They say, "Oh, hmm. we're gonna pretend we're dead just to kind of make him play his hand." and Hmm. And they do, so it actually plays out that way. But yeah, it's 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 a it's an arch villain meme at this point, beyond a meme. <laughs> oh, I tell you, there's another time in a view to a kill as well, uh, when him and Tibbet are in the car and they push it into the water, and Bond gets out and breathes through the uh, the tires. Uh, yeah, presumed yes. dead after that. Yes. And, but, but, and but in that in, case, though, they at least hung around for a few minutes mm. because Bond was like looking up and he could see them, you know, near the surface of the water. So that's why he um, was breathing the air through the tire, you know, so yeah. he could another, hold his another, breath long enough. Another scene that's filmed that they cut of actually Bond getting out of the lake all, you know, wet and bedraggled was, was cut out of the film, too. There's a few stills of it kicking around. Yeah, I, I remember. I'm, I'm assuming he has yeah. a really long walk um, <laughs> after surviving that. Soaking wet clothes. Soaking wet clothes. Uh, yeah, soaking wet horse riding clothes. It was not not even a you know right. something. <laughs> but there's a, there's another bit in the same film where um, you know Bond gets rid of his tank in the pipe to escape the the turbines, and you know Zorin's minions pull it up and he holds it up with this shredded kind of like uh, air tank assuming that they one of the russians buddies got killed mm. um when mm. he didn't and then the you know the russian guy protects the guy that he doesn't know that didn't die <laughs> and he gets then he gets flushed down the tubes but um mm. yeah so there's like three times you're right three times in that film where yeah mm. he's assumed dead but he's not so I think we can conclude Max Zorin wasn't as smart as the five <laughs> languages or whatever he, he spoke and all that. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't think of an example in the Dalton duo where this either like pretending to be dead or the villain thinks he's dead is a thing in the plot. No, I can't think of any moment. Uh yeah. I, I can't either off the top of my head. I, I can't be. Um, this list that you've uh, created is uh, far more than I could have ever done anyway. <laughs> um, obviously, they use the idea of fake deaths in The Living Daylights as a plot when, you know, Pushkin has to be fake assassinated and, mm. and stuff, mm. but it's not Bond himself for a change. Mm. For a change. Right, and and he does a good enough job that Felix thinks he killed Pushkin, and then right, and and he has his two women agent 
and push his wife bring him girlfriend. in yeah. yes absolutely so who wants to take on the four in a row Brosnan era of fake deaths <laughs> and multiple ones in uh, films as well yeah. uh, GoldenEye of course is just uh, I think there's just the instance where Trevelyan believes that he died in the exploding train uh, and he should really have hung around in his helicopter with Xenia for a little while yeah, just to make just to sure watch. he should have done a Blofeld inspector and waited there That's until right. the thing had <laughs> blown up and then made a getaway but no he, uh, he, he was suffering from auto preminger disease um, <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, things to do where exactly did he have to rush off to uh, you know <laughs> They always a, have something somewhere, you know. It's just, it's, well, he's in. They're, he's, they're so busy. He's in the middle you know? of Russia, and the next time he pops <laughs> yeah, up is in Cuba. So I guess he had a plane. It's a long ride. He had a plane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he wanted to catch the flight with the bar. You know, the same one that was in Quantum of Solace. He wanted to. <laughs> the other question I had was this about. That's right. The other question I had about Golden Eye was, you know. So Trevelyan fakes his own death at the hands of mm. um, Ormov, right, to trick Bond into believing that he was killed. But that only works if Bond escapes to tell MI6 the story of what happened. Mm. But then the whole place blows up. Uh, and do, how do they know Bond lives through that? To go uh. back to base to report that, yeah, Trevelyan's dead. Especially, you know, when he like takes the motorcycle over the yeah. <laughs> over the side of the mountain. <laughs> oh yeah, Bond, Bond he's well, got it. We see Oranov <laughs> running down the runway, like watching this happen, right? Yeah. But then the whole place blows up. So both sides think the other side's dead. Neither of which works for the plot, really. Does it? <laughs> But it works for the audience. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right, which, which gets back to what we were saying earlier. It's like this is all for the benefit of the audience rather yeah. than the internal logic of the story. Mm. Mm. I don't think the uh, train explosion fake death does a whole lot. Again, it's, it's similar to a Zorin thing in A View to a Kill. It just means that the villain believes that Bond is dead so they can go off onto the next phase of their dastardly scheme without feeling like they need to worry about him so then Bond can come and uh, surprise the villain. Right. Which, you know, leads to the... Well, it has the great line, can't you just be a good boy and die in GoldenEye? It's <laughs> my favourites. Yes. Yeah, it's great. But then we see a couple more in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes. One in the pre-title sequence, which is just a quick moment where he's commandeered that jet and he's escaping the exploding bazaar. And there's just a huge wall of flames and the feed to MI6 and the Ministry of Defense and all those people goes blank. And then they, Judy Dench looks solemnly down and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a few seconds that right. you're supposed to believe that he didn't make it out. But then, of course, the plane comes shooting out of the fire and he's, yeah, he's made it. Right. And then two times later on, on Carver's stealth boat, where the villains believe he's dead. One instance just after they've captured Wei Lin and Bond uh, has a, a dead goon in his hands and he pokes around That's the corner right. with it. And, yeah. And he throws and him Stamper overboard. shoots it. Yeah. 
yeah, he throws it overboard and then it's like, aha, right, that's done. And then later on, not much longer, probably about 10, 15 minutes later, during all the big action sequences, he's trying to crawl out of uh, some debris that he's trapped under and Stamper has a rocket launcher that he just fires uh, and they think that he's killed. And and Elliot Carver and Stamper really don't celebrate that moment at all. <laughs> I know that the whole plan's going to crap at that point, but you would think that uh, Elliot Carver, of all people, would have some kind of celebratory moment, but he's just like, oh no, go get the, um, the, go get the girl, she's in the engine room. Also, uh, having, you know, just had Bond fake them out, on being dead, you know. So when it happens the second time, you might think, "Gee, maybe we should like make sure this time." Yeah. That apparently doesn't <laughs> oh. occur. To them. Oh, don't forget before yeah. before all of that in in uh, the skyscraper uh, when he's going to torture him to death, he writes his own, starts writing his obituary. Oh yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So there's like is that four times that Bond was going to be dead, yeah. but he wasn't dead. I think we have a record. <laughs> there's a lot of problems uh, with that film, and maybe that's. <laughs> one of them but when I was thinking of the Brosnan era about the villain thinking Bond was dead the one that really popped in my mind first was the pipeline sequence of The World Is Not Enough when um, you know the bomb was a dud but you know but it still blew up and um, mm. Electra tells you know I'm very sorry for your loss to M and M looks like genuinely devastated like well this time it really did happen um, mm. you know and then we obviously switched the kidnapping story but, um, you know, that I think Bond tacitly acknowledges like, well, this is great. They think we're dead. Now we can go do some other stuff. Um, <laughs> and that, so that, I think that's the yeah. clearest example in the Brosnan era of using a fake death for a, a plot mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Although, I, I agree. But also it doesn't work that well because, you know, they then go to that FSB <laughs> facility and, it gets attacked and like, right. yeah. <laughs> so it didn't fool him that long. Uh, right. Goldie drops the bum off. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I could see it's like, um, oh, Electra is talking to the other guy. Well, did you make sure he was dead? No, I thought you did. Oh, right. darn it! <laughs> uh, I, he must be alive. <laughs> yeah. So Electra must know pretty quickly that he wasn't actually dead if you trace it backwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's that same thing, isn't it? If they need to believe that he's dead so that they can initiate phase whatever of their plan and right. go from there. <laughs> phase 25. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that that moment's quite interesting, James. You mentioned it when M genuinely thinks that Bond is dead. Yeah. And it's kind of an awkward scene because she does... Judy Dench is a very good actress and she behaves like I think a human being actually would in that moment and is quite devastated. And then it's so quickly this Electra reveal where she has her dad's yeah. pin and she's revealed as the big villain and all that kind of stuff. It kind of undercuts that moment, which I think is actually quite interesting. And they don't really go back to it when Em is incarcerated and she thinks that Bond is still dead. Right. Uh, which is a shame. And it wouldn't be a podcast without mentioning Die Another Day. That's right. <laughs> so, hooray. Hooray. so another another one of those the villain thought he was he'd got the job done and just kinda wandered off. I mean, I, what was Graves doing <laughs> when, you know, he started melting the ice palace and stuff with the late with the Icarus? It was just like 
did he have taxes to finish or something or expense reports to well, 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 first he had he had all those guests to shoo out of the ice palace hotel okay oh yeah can Ta- you check out can you imagine like uh, buzzfeed's right up on their visit to the ice palace well it was great until like the host decided to melt it <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! That that could be a whole subject of a whole other podcast. What if Buzzfeed existed during a classic James Bond movie? <laughs> what take would they have? Yes. Um, but this moment doesn't last very long. It's uh, it, and it prompts the uh, one of the more infamous moments of the film where Bond windsurfs the. Uh, mm the 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 waves uh but it is yeah they've chased bond uh to the edge of the cliff with the icarus laser and they're melting off the the edge of the cliff and they think that bond has fallen to his death in that but in fact he yeah gets his way out of that situation that's right okay, using his wits. turn the monitors off now that's right. but, <laughs> but boss maybe we should wait to see make sure he dies oh be quiet um, you're just a flunky <laughs> <laughs> But it doesn't last very long because it's like, what, within five minutes, he's back at the Ice Palace, in, he gets yeah. in the Invisible Aston and then takes off his jumper at a very <laughs> awkward moment. Uh, right. And then, yeah, they find him out. Yeah, Zao spots he's in the Invisible Car, like, literally five minutes after they thought he was dead. So that, yeah. I think maybe yeah. that's the record for, uh, he's dead. Oh, no, it's still, he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it was like, did you watch the monitor? No, I thought you did. Like, ah, darn it. Ah, I bet he's still alive. <laughs> so skipping ahead. So I think Brosnan wins the uh, award for um, bad villains, assuming he's dead. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Happens in all of them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> Um, so yeah villain school you know they didn't really pass the you know check the pulse uh, yeah yeah and even if if there's no pulse put a bullet in his head yeah well craig's bond is you know very guilty inspector of not checking hinks is dead after the after the snowy Mm. scene wasn't he and you get the little finger twitch but um, but would you have hung around I think he just wanted to leg it. Uh, no, but one thing though, Bond movies haven't done. I don't think is where the villain fakes the death to throw Bond off the scent. Uh, Dine um, of the day. Oh yeah, uh, Dine of the day. There you go. Okay, yeah, you're but right. But then actually, I guess it's not to throw him off the scent. It's just it, it becomes another plan after that. I guess was that yeah. always his plan? Uh, Must have been. Apparently. Because I was, I, I was thinking of a TV show where the villain pretended to be dead, and the and one of the heroes actually held up a mirror up to his nostrils. The guy's laying in a casket, and actually holds the mirror up to see if there's any breath. Um, all the best, and there isn't. All the best agents carry little mirrors around with them to check if people are dead. <laughs> well, well, when it's your arch villain who's like created all this havoc for you for several episodes, you do, I guess. But uh, anyway, he wasn't breathing. Then it's explained later. Yoga techniques. So, it's, but uh, um, could you argue um, Blowfield and Diamonds Forever because he 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 has all the the lookalikes and then he's actually living oh, as somebody yeah. else He's living as Willard White. I know it's not, yeah. I know it's not quite the same as faking your death, but he's basically living as somebody else to avoid interest in him, I guess. 
I don't think he had the intention to fake low. his own death, but he kind of rolls with it. He's laying, <laughs> laying low, right? Well, yeah. it's like it's like Blofeld keeps having all these uh, extra targets, and Bond keeps taking out the the extra guys instead, <laughs> instead of the real Blofeld. <laughs> uh, which which imagine that one ad wanted, willing to be double for arch villain. <laughs> some plastic, some plastic surgery required. <laughs> Charles Gray build necessary for uh, first round. So the Craig era is not without guilt, right? On um, mm. on this one, he wants to have a run at casino. Yeah, I can. Um, so this is a, a very short one. Again, it's sort of contained to one scene, but there is a a moment where. Uh, Bond's drink is spiked and the villain just kind of assumes that he's died and you know he obviously comes back he has the resuscitation all that kind of stuff but when he comes back to the table the chief seems genuinely surprised that he's made it back well Uh, and and in this case I could give Le chief a bit of a pass in that he has to establish an alibi so it's like so if things had gone to plan Bond would have wandered off and died and Le chief would have been at the gaming table the whole time right so it's like he's got an alibi um so in mm. other words, I'm, what I'm saying is that doesn't fall under the category of I've got things to do, so I'm going to wander off while you know, yeah, my but, death machine makes mincemeat out of you. Plus, he may mm. have expected that Vespa wouldn't help Bond. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, if his goal is to win the game to get the money back that he needs to pay Abano back, having one of the players drop dead in the middle of the game, I can't imagine they're just going to be like, all right, deal me in. <laughs> Like, carry on. <laughs> I think that'd be like match abandoned at that point, wouldn't yeah. it? I think you'd need to read the small print, wouldn't you? So in in the event of player death under any circumstances, the uh, uh, the stake is forfeit. <laughs> or, or, or the casino uh, takes bears no responsibility for players' deaths. That's that's in the fine print of the entry form. Yeah, <laughs> even if they even if they've ordered from the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So you know the one that stands out above all of them is obviously Skyfall because the whole first act is pretty much. Bond for his own purposes, which we can get into why he would want to do this, um, is assumed to be dead for three months. Yeah. Well, that, that was kind of pinched, for, pinched from the end of uh, the book, You Only Left, Live Twice, and the beginning of yes. The Man with the Golden Gun. So uh, 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 that's Purvis and Wade mining Fleming for, yes. for material. But uh, I think the, the thing they... The thing they uh, really could have done with though is is the opening to the man with the golden gun because uh that uh, mm-hmm. and i mean basically between the end of you only live twice and the man with the golden gun uh, bond has been brainwashed by the russians and so he comes back and tries to assassinate m and uh, that would be that would be a great start uh, you know, I think maybe we've talked about this before maybe that would be a great start uh to bond 26 with a new actor yeah but I mean, how would they? I mean, how would they trust him again? Um, there's no kind of like quiz you can take to make sure that you're not still a Manchurian candidate, um, <laughs> right? 
because they could have activations for other things for him to do, not just not just assassinate M at the desk with the you know. But it's a great set piece. The comic strip adaptation of it is actually fantastic when they show the screen coming down and the ink. Isn't it the ink pen or something? He's, he sprays yeah, gas, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. it comes to yeah. But yeah, but for three months, MI6 assumes he's dead. I'm assuming Money Penny is in kind of like grief counseling um, <laughs> as having killed a colleague. Um, yeah, she'll be in some kind of like program with HR, I imagine. Um, <laughs> well, she, she has to take an office job, doesn't she? Yeah. But we never see uh, her reaction, do we, to um, the news that he's still alive? We just, no, we just we see don't. her strutting through the office, like all chipper to see him back. Yeah. Like, she, 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 must have th- she must have been thinking, God, I bet he's really pissed off at me. <laughs> and she was avoiding him in the office for as long as possible. <laughs> I, I also wonder about HR of MI6 in that sequence, because here you've got Mallory saying, why'd you come back? And it's like, um, you, know, you know, he did desert, guys, right? right. Is, is desertion okay? Is, is, is that fine by MI6? Well, also, how did he get from the bottom of that bridge to wherever it was he spent Turkey. the three months. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he just got washed out to sea and then he swam up onto the beach there. It's, obvi- it's obvious. <laughs> In the uh, 007 Legends video game, they do have a, a short cutscene where you see him sort of getting out of the water at another side um, and he's sort of like crawling up a bank. Uh, but then it immediately cuts to him, yeah, to the next level where, you know, after Patrice, I think it is. So in terms of, like, it doesn't really advance the villain's plot because, you know, Patrice has knocked out Ronson, you know, MI6 agent. They assume Bond's dead. I mean, he's just, to them, he's just like another guy in the way, right? It's not it's not central to their plot that he's dead. Um, it's only when... Silver realizes that he's the favorite now and he used to be the favorite. Does that kind of kick in? But the fact that he was, mm-hmm. the fact that he was assumed dead has absolutely no relevance to the villain scheme at all. Does it? It seems more happenstance than really part of the plot. Um, mm. I guess it works on more of a thematic level, doesn't it? On the whole subject of resurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh Bond coming, choosing to come back uh, to MI6. Um, I guess that sh- that in a way shows the level of stakes that they're dealing with. That he's willing to sort of give up his his new life, come back, back into the field. And also that MI6 just completely falls apart without Bond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, would never have gotten blown up if he'd still been. Absolutely. Around. Yeah. <laughs> Saying that I did in the world is not enough, actually. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did kind he, of... He's learned from that, though, even though it's not in the same timeline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Although, to be fair, he was the only one who worked it out before it happened. Right. Mm. And, and, and also, it like, didn't blow the whole place apart, just that one room. Uh, True. Just the room with... <laughs> Just supposedly this allegedly secure room where they keep all these hundreds of millions of euros to give back to <laughs> to, to billionaires, <laughs> right? And yeah, having your operative on a on a boat with a machine gun for what purpose? Um, if the bombs to go off in his presence, hmm. right? Yeah. 
Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yep, you're right. <laughs> you know, um, if that's the, if that's how you're going to kill him, why have why have somebody on the river in a, in a boat with a machine gun? Um, to make extra sure. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, make sure. Um, the one I thought of for Spectre was um, that after the drive through the city, the car drive, as we call it, um, <laughs> against Hinks, where they wave it to each other and take voicemails. Um, he he fakes. His, I think he f- tries to fake his own death by dumping the car in the river and parachuting out to let to make Hinks think. Well, he, 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 to be fair, he was running out of road, right. so he had no choice. Right. But he doesn't use really that to his advantage, does mm. he? Yeah, I, I, I don't. See, I don't see it so much like that. I, I, I think it's just accidental. He, he's um, he needs to escape from Hinks. He, he uses the ejector seat, and then M um, and Tanner assume that uh, that well, he, well, they don't. Know, I don't know if they actually assume that he's dead. Probably not. Uh, they just see that he's ditched his car in in the Tiber. Yeah, and and also it doesn't say very much about Hinks that he didn't stop to think. Maybe he should stop his car and make sure that Bond is, has perished. And it's, you know, maybe he should have like waited. Well, Hinks Hinks really wasn't up there in the end, was he? Because he, uh, Bond easily dispatched him on the train. So right. uh, I I I've got to give my just... tip the hat to BBC News for having a photographer on location for the car during you know, mid sinking. Which they show on their news report. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh right, right. Wouldn't it have been better mm-hmm. to have it been like a crane lifting it out, like with the seaweed on it and stuff? Would have been not seaweed, but you know what I mean. Like, like all this, yeah. the crap from the river would have been a better. Yeah. Anyway. It was. It was. It was shot by a stringer. Uh, it was kind of like the B, It was like the BBC's equivalent of Peter Parker. Just happens to be right on the scene whenever Spider-Man shows up to take photos. So it's somebody like that, you know, an energetic freelancer. He just happened to be along, and it sprung into action when he saw this car drive going on. Yeah, it's not the only Aston Martin underwater this week. All right, so I think that wraps up the movies. I mean, that's like so for all the people uh, thinking of penning a piece about like James Bond being dead is like a new thing. Well, I think we've concisely wrapped up that it's it's kind of overused. I think as a trope. Yeah, mm. it's it's a bit like Bond going rogue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bond goes rogue and then dies. But it's yeah. all fake. <laughs> and he's back to his job afterwards with no repercussions. <laughs> so the only other time I could think of in like modern media where Bond's killed is in the GoldenEye Rogue Agent intro, where mm. it is pretty effective. Um, the first time I saw it, it's because you don't know who's who. And it, it is a kind of like a pseudo lookalike amalgamation Bond who's a bit like, turns out like Archer, basically. Um, <clears throat> and the whole kickoff of the story is that your agent um, in the training exercise gets Bond killed. So they kick you out at MI6 <laughs> um, and you find your own way to the dark side. Yeah. It, it is quite effective, actually. I still remember playing the game for the first time and sort of being like, oh, whoa. Cause obviously, you go into the game thing knowing that you are supposed to be playing a Bond villain, which is quite cool. But then to have James Bond just die in like the first level right. was uh, quite something. And then, of course, it's revealed to be a simulation uh, at MI6, so it's not for real. 
but it's uh, yeah, I've always felt it was really really bad for the Golden Eye, the guy in that game where he's blamed for Bond's death. When really you just sort of walk towards him and the, he falls to his death. Yes. If anything, he should have been a better <laughs> agent and not got himself killed. <laughs> yes, the, the helicopter gantry just kind of drops, and he's like, "Wow, well, it's like yeah." Yeah, you can shoot at him though. I I have tried that. I think that initiates the cutscene as well. Right. So it, it's I mean it's going to happen either way, but depending on how sadistic you are as a player. Yes, I, I just wanted to add, based on our discussion, I think it's safe to say that the curricula of supervillain schools is sorely lacking. I right. think a number of them need to lose their accreditations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack the Pulse. Yeah. Oh. Um, the, the the other one of uh, James one actually 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 dying. I don't know. I it's been years and literally years because these things came out in the eighties. Um, the Find Your Own Fate books, and I remember uh, as it was a thing, especially in the eighties. The Find Your Own Fate books, where it's like go left, go right, and you turn to the page and goes, "Well, you fell down a hole and you died," or something. Um, yes, um, and I wonder. I never saw a Bond one, but I- there's a few and. Um, I didn't have time to dig them out, unfortunately, for this recording, but I will, you know, maybe we'll do a follow-up with all of the silly ways you get Bond killed uh, <laughs> in those books. Or maybe he just, like, you know, goes home or something, gives up on his mission. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember if they kill him or if you can get him killed or not. Yeah. So if you were a writer and you were told to kill off Bond for real, has anybody got any personal preferences? Uh as to the circumstances of his demise that you think would be apt or fitting. Let me think. Well, the Marvel franchise is that you have to save the universe, and that's like that's, that's a good death, <laughs> right? That's fine. Right. Well, yeah, I think it would have to be making some kind of massive sacrifice to save the world or something like that. I think you need look no further than um, Star Wars The Force Awakens, where a beloved character from that franchise is killed off in... In a, in a way that is perhaps not terribly satisfying, and that character does just get killed rather than die for any mm. noble purpose or something. So I think for James Bond, it would have to be saving the world or something. Um, I, I I certainly wouldn't want that. I think you mentioned it earlier on, but the moment in Quantum of Solace where. Uh, he seems to, I was thinking uh, like moments in the films where he's kind of resigned to the fact that, oh, I'm going to die now actually. And this is it. I think there is only that moment in Quantum of Solace where he's with Camille in the burning hotel. And it does look like, oh, he's ready to shoot her and then kill himself as well. And that alone is quite jarring to sort of have him resigned to the fact, because just as a hero, he's just so resilient and always looking for the way out of the situation. And he puts his life on the line time and time again, in you know certain death situations but prevails and that's such a trait of the character that i don't know yeah i don't know if you could have him die in any situation and that be satisfying you know i'm i I just thought of something mostly because i'm thinking about you know another movie it would be if you wanted to go for irony it's like he saves the world and everything's great and then he like dies in some kind of mundane way, like something totally, you know, dumb luck or just, you know, he just happens to be like going by a liquor store where there's a hold up and he gets shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> just you know, just you know, just how arbitrary life can be. Um, you know, dod- dodges all these supervillains and then gets done in by some punk robbing a liquor store. <laughs> okay, my my choice is that he's giving some waiter a hard time about how to mix his <laughs> drink very very precisely, and then he gets run over by some random. Um, uh, gondola hovercraft. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the the late writer Michael O'Donohue once said, "There's no story you can't end with the phrase." And then they were all run over by a truck. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I I would say the opposite to you guys about saving the world. I would. Um, we've covered this in the previous podcast, but there's never any kids or children in Bond films apart from the Man with the Golden Gun that have lines. Mm. Um, so instead of saving the world, I'd actually do a really small scale situation where he saves the life of like one child or something. And maybe that child is central to the plot or related to a character, but he basically sacrifices his life for a kid or something like that. Not a woman, because we've seen that kind of thing the opposite way around so many times, but I would mix it up completely and um, mm. have something very small scale in terms of like the plot. And just bring it down to like one life versus one life, and he has to choose, and he decides to sacrifice himself for that one person. That's it. Um, mm. Which would be, um, I don't think you can do this in any way that is satisfying to your point. That audience was, mm. would accept that. Okay, that's a good end to the character, or a good end to that that iteration of the character. They'll never do it. So, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Terrence Young and Tom Mankiewicz once talked about a conclusion, not killing Bond, which was their idea was Bond knows he's lost a step, but he keeps getting out of scrapes by luck. And he knows he's getting out right. of scrapes by luck so that by the time he completes this thing, he knows he's had it and then he retires. Um, you know, in other words, this was their variation on like one last adventure, but like this was something they talked about obviously as a hypothetical, nothing was ever commissioned along these lines, obviously. So the one that I always enjoyed was spooks, which in the U S was MI five, the series, because at any given episode of any given series, the main, the main character might just die and be killed. Like, boop. Hmm. and they did that a lot. Um, from like episode three of season one onwards. Um, so that was kind of that. Uns- you never knew what was, you know, you literally, it could be any time in any episode that a main character could just be written out. Um, mm. It became a, a bit of a trope of that series towards the end where they used it a bit too much, but um, I can't think of many others. You know, I'm part of the main character. There was an old TV show where after the first season, it was a police drama called Naked City, and it was based off a movie. And at the end of the first season, they killed off the lead. Um, but then the next season, there's new cop. Um, and that's not the same thing. I mean, it's you know, it's a series in the sense it's a TV show, but. Um, yeah, we we've watched something on TV uh, fairly recently, and I, I can't remember if it was a TV show or, or a movie, and uh, they. The, the the person you thought was going to be the lead, they killed off very very early, and it, it, I remember it shocked us both. But I, I I've got no idea what it was now. It's kind of Doctor Who. They bump, you know, the the character dies, but then they bring, you know, they regenerate. So that doesn't really count. 
but the lead dies frequently through that series. So predictions, no time to die. How many fake deaths? Villains thought they were dead. He pretends to be dead. How many, how many, what count do you think we're going to have? <laughs> we can come back and revisit mm. this afterwards. Oh my God. <laughs> well, yeah, within the, within three hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to an hour, six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they'll have a girl after each. <laughs> that's right yes. that's right the, the rumor about multiple gun barrels in yeah, the movie because the um i was I, I don't remember if it's if it's the recent uh trailer or the first trailer and uh first one but then pardon no it was the first one the the yeah the the, the first one when when uh there, there is a kind of gun barrel bit in it isn't there hmm yeah so um you know, i don't think you'll see that shot in the film yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe not. But look, we'll, we'll all know soon. You know what would be funny is if they got so sick of this, like they put the gun barrel at the end, there was no gun barrel. It's, uh, it's like, you know what? We just can put like seven in it, like and scatter them through the whole thing just to shut, <laughs> yeah. shut you guys up. And he's going to mm. swing his gun so you can see it every time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was one of the last shots that they filmed was Craig's new gun barrel. Okay. Mm. Well, is he the only one who has a custom gun barrel for every movie he does? Yes. Because- Good point. Well, you could say, well, Lazenby did one on one, but he's always the asterisk on these statistics, isn't he? Right. Mm. Yeah. Roger did three. Connery did two, mm. and one of them wasn't his before <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Dalton did too, but they used the same one both movies. Yes, he did the yeah. So he did the yeah. They filmed two, but they yes, they filmed two. That's the right. One. So yeah, I think Brosnan did one for every film, didn't he? I, but they kept. I mean, for trailers, but like they kept using the same one in the yeah, actual for the films. film. For the film, it's yeah, one for Brosnan and yeah. Uh, I, I guess they add the CGI bullets yeah. to. Um, I, I was just going. I was just going to say, if they have multiple uh, gun barrels, maybe they'll bring back the CGI bullet. <laughs> <laughs> or using some, but not all. Yeah. Some variety. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. They'll, they'll have. They'll, they'll have a Daniel Craig wearing flares, and in one of them, and, <laughs> and uh, he'll go down be- on his knee on another, and and then for one of them, they'll use a stunt double. <laughs> And, and, uh, and for one, there'll be an electric guitar, but another one, it's strings, and another one, it's plain guitar, no electric guitar. And another one will be Lashana Lynch. <laughs> uh, I'm making a note here to contact Factor Entertainment because I want to see a replica CGI bullet. Uh, prop collectible. <laughs> a replica CGI bullet. Oh, Oh, I actually love that. I want to see the unboxing, Calvin. The guy, the guy kills Bond. That's that's how that's how they kill Bond. It'll be with a, it'll be one last gun barrel, and the guy, the unseen assassin, fires and gets Bond. She's the first. He, he collapses. There was a good advert for I can't remember which game it was, but it was sort of like uh, a chubby yes. guy like doing the gun dodging barrel, the and then it started shooting at him. Dodging the bullets. Was it the world's not enough? Yeah, dodging the bullets. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite like that. It was very good. 
All right. So I think we've killed James Bond enough times <laughs> in one podcast today. So. <laughs> Yay. All right. Um, we Yay. will probably follow up with all the ones we missed at some point. Um, and I'm sure uh, if you at home um, have one that we've missed, um, tweet us with the hashtag AskBond. And um, we will round them all up and put this list together somewhere online. But um, thank you very much this week, guys, Calvin, Bill, and David. Great talking to you. And uh, so, uh, anyone who's listening, don't forget to subscribe or uh, leave a comment and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, leave a review. That would be wonderful. Um, unless you're going to give us a bad one, in which case, you know, toddle off. <laughs> 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 Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers.